Hello, thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Wise Content Creates Wealth. You've heard that content is king, but wise content rules the world. This podcast is about understanding how you can make and utilize wise content to improve your marketing and financial success. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, and I'm a marketing technology expert who has built a multi-million dollar company, and I'm also an award-winning content producer. My company is Galileo Tech Media, a leader in providing wise content for SEO, content marketing, and digital PR. Our wise content is content that incorporates semantic science, behavioral science, AI, and data to make marketing and promotional content that is smart, that converts better, and gets better rankings. Galileo works with companies both big and small. Recently, we completed over 40,000 pieces of content for one big client in a year. And for another small client, we completed a handful of articles with dramatic increase for their e-commerce sales. Our agenda today is content experience. Today's guest is Mike Graham of CMO and Managing Director of Acronym, an international search and performance marketing agency based in NYC. Mike is an SEO pioneer, author, world traveler, and keynote speaker champagne connoisseur, and a consummate drinking partner to the global digital marketing community. Hello, Mike. <laughs> oh, uh, you're, um, you're on mute. Sorry about that. That was a great start. Anyway, it was a perfect description. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm on mute, my wife says I've never sounded better. <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet, sweet music to her ears. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, good to see you. It's good to see you. Um, so I read that uh, I read that your bio that you were a popular DJ in the UK before getting into digital marketing. That is quite a switch. Now, how did that happen? And did that first crew help your second? Wow. Uh, yeah, you're taking me back some time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually come from a kind of a showbiz kind of uh, family. My uh, father uh, back in the day was uh, the first manager of a band called The Animals, big band back in the 60s. Uh, so I was kind of surrounded by music and uh, long story short, uh, I became a, a DJ, club DJ, and then eventually ended up working in radio. Um, and it was great. I mean, that wasn't uh, the the course. I was actually, you know, at, at university studying my um, business degree for uh, marketing. And that's what I was going to do. Um, but uh, the, uh, the the draw of um, the microphone and sitting on the radio um, uh you know, became such a, a, a big attraction for me. So anyway, I spent 10 years working in radio and television and it's still in my blood. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess I got you started early then on creating content, which is, you know, sort of the, the world, the world as it exists today now, right? It's kind of interesting that you say that because um, every time I have a conversation about content and, you know, it, it is like, you know, content is king, as you said before. Um, but without content, you have nothing. You have an empty channel. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes, you know, when I hear the term content marketing and I think for a publisher, content is not a tactical campaign. It's the product. That's what we've got. Um, and yes, yeah, so I do go back and I say, what do you think I was doing when I was work working in radio and television? People weren't tuning in just to hear the ads, you know, you had to have content. So, um, you know, when you work in radio and TV and you're doing this now, you, uh, you're not just thinking about what's my next web page going to be. Can I make a 30 second video? You're thinking, what's the content going to be for the next five minutes and the next five minutes and then the next five minutes. And it's in real time, you know? 
So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I learned a lot about uh, content and developing content um, and some of the things that we talk about now we were doing back in the day. I mean, even back then we would do stuff that was in vision, as it were, that was recorded. And yet you would still just use the audio track for uh, for uh, radio and that kind of thing, you know, and everything got transcribed. So kind of whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing, what I was doing back in the day in analog, I'm kind of doing the same thing in digital now, you know. Well, yeah, in a sense, this podcast is transcribed and you, you cut up the video, you cut up the audio, you use the bits and pieces, you put it all over the place. I mean, con- once you do content, it's like, all right, now it becomes this uh, entity that now can be used in a million different ways. So, um, I, you know, you in, in terms of creating content, it wasn't just your DJ career. You're also a writer of books. In fact, you wrote the first book on search engine optimization. I think it was called Search Engine Marketing Book, mm-hmm. right? So one of my first guests, Jerry Ashen, had a, had, a, had his company explode because he wrote a book, and it led to uh, you know a, 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 a segment on John Oliver's HDSO. Boom, he was he was done. So I, I call you know that sort of analog uh, world the tried and true wise content strategy of, of, of its time. So did that book have any uh, major impact on your career and your company? Absolutely, yeah. But it, n- not in the way that people tend to think. Um, the, 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 the interesting thing was I didn't set out to write a book. There was just so much bullshit. Oops, sorry. I hope so. <laughs> but I think this that's, is a te- that's a technical <laughs> term, sorry. But there was just so much of uh, this erroneous information back in the day um, that I thought I just wanted to put the record right. Um, what I had done is I'd, uh, I'd written uh, 22 years ago, believe it or not, I'd written something about search engine positioning because search engine optimization hadn't been, or the term hadn't been invented then, you know? Um, and there was just like a handful of people, you know, doing this thing with search engines. And I realized that there was stuff that you could do with HTML and you could change the pages and keywords around. And, you know, basically I spent a lot of time spamming early search engines before Google came around. Um, but somebody who worked, uh, an engineer that worked at a search engine, uh, sent me a note one day and said, I looked at your book and blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, really, you, you need to read this. So he sent me a book about information retrieval, about the science of information retrieval. And I became hooked on that. And that's basically the underlying science of what happens at Google. And the more that I learned about that, the more I realized, the more you understand what it is that Google's trying to do the better it is for you to create the content and make it easier for them to access that content. So yeah, the, it was actually the second book. It ended up just being called search engine marketing because that term had just been coined and I wanted to own it. So I did, <laughs> but it was, ba- but it was basically a book about search engine optimization and the underlying science of information retrieval. Um, did, how did it affect me? It affected me in many ways. It became such a big seller in a sense around the world. Um, not that you can, you know, afford to buy a yacht and retire on a, the strength of a business book. Um, but it was a first of its kind. Um, the two things that happened, um, I actually created an ebook version of it. And people were saying, you know, who's ever going to read an ebook on a monitor? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> That's why it was great when the Kindle came around, you know. Um, But so how did it affect me from a professional point of view? I'd always done some public speaking and coming from a a broadcast background, um, uh, you know, it wasn't something that was uh, new to me. But I started getting invited to speak at conferences all over the world on the strength of the book, you know. 
Um, and I was traveling backwards and forwards so much to uh, the US, I ended up just moving here, you know. So, uh, so yeah, even though you can tell by my not-so-native Brooklyn accent, I am actually based here. My office, as you, as you mentioned before, in New York, my office is on the 65th floor of the Empire State Building. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it takes you places, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, it, so it affected my career in the sense. But, you know, I mean, I've been living, eating, and breathing this, um, this uh, industry from, uh, from day one. And I've been very lucky in the sense that... Uh, not only did I write that first book, that I became um, a regular feature at uh, Search Engine Watch, which was the big first, you know, kind of website where the community could go and, and read about what was going on in the industry um, and click Z. And then eventually I ended up actually as the publisher of Search yeah. Engine Watch and click Z and running what was the uh, the largest search marketing conference, Search and Social, as it became, which was uh, SES Conference and Expo. And then I became chairman of the Global Trade Association. So I'm sorry, it took up most of your show just doing my no, bio. No, that's all right. <laughs> I did want to talk about the reason I asked that is you're, you're an author and you were, uh, you know, had great success as an author. But in, two, in 2013, you were interviewed by Andy Betts, right? Um, uh, and it was oh, like, yeah. Right? And right Edge. And he was asked you about content and authorship importance to SEO. And you said... Getting back to authorship, I don't think it, it's actually to do with the guy that writes the piece and who has the most Twitter followers. I don't think it's about the number one writer in the industry, the number one blogger. I actually think it's more about the source, which is the author. Um, I read a paper about years and years ago about information retrieval and citation analysis. After digging, digging deeper, it, what, what's apparent is, the, is that the source of where the publication is what is really matters. Do you think authorship is uh, dying? Uh, you know, just to get the context of what Andy and I were talking about then, I think that people thought this author tag, that you could put it in there, that if yeah, you yeah, were yeah. a popular guy, that you would get better recognition with Google and you would get some better ranking. The point that I was making there is that it's not like, you know, if uh, you're Joseph Franklin McElroy and you've got your show going on and all of these followers on Twitter, that if the author tag says that it's you on that particular page, then Google's going to pay any attention to what your prominence is in social media. It's actually how many people are consuming the content that you create through Google itself, mm -hmm. you know? And then when you create this, what people know as authority, in that first book I, I wrote explained what uh, hubs and authorities were and what an authority was. And that's why linking is so important. So... Um, you know, you end up with the fact that, um, let, let's go back to Search Engine Watch. When I was publisher of Search Engine Watch, we had 300 authors. We had 300 people writing for Search Engine Watch, and they did remarkably well. They were great writers. But the reason that we did so well with Google is Search Engine Watch as a source mm -hmm. was a recognized authority within the industry, you know, so... Um, so, so in the sense, the, the, the publication become the author. Absolutely. And that's, so yeah. the, the publication has prestige. And, 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 and I did this uh, experimenting with some of our uh, top writers. You know, I would say, you, you write the post and publish it on your own blog, and then we'll publish it on Search Engine Watch and see what happens. And Search Engine Watch, you know, they always got a better deal out of it yeah. being published at Search Engine Watch. And that's because of the authority, the reputation, and the trust, most importantly, that 
that mm-hmm. um, you know that, that that domains create for themselves online. Okay, well, we have to take a break. So uh, when we get back, we'll talk more about um, authority and expertise and all these other wonderful facts about search engine marketing. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my uh, guest, Mike Graham. Hi, Mike. Hello uh, again. Yes. Um, so I was you, you sent me that video of your recent, uh, your recent uh, presentation to uh, Sydney Search Summit, and I thought it was really fascinating video. Um, and you, t- you were talking about the difference between structured and unstructured data, but you started out with your favorite topic, which is information retrieval. <laughs> and you really uh, made it a, a point of explaining the difference between inf- information retrieval and data retrieval. Can you explain that to our audience? Uh, yeah, I mean, structured data has become so important uh, now in uh, SEO, but the notion, the idea of it has been around for uh, for a long time, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in, in order to be able to try and... Um, explain the difference between the World Wide Web, which is just a sea of unstructured data. You know, no two websites really are the same. Content is entirely different. It's very, very difficult to analyze unstructured data and try and make some sense of it. Google's been very good at doing that, you know. Um, But to understand the difference between unstructured data and structured data, you really need to know the difference between information retrieval and data retrieval. So that's why I started there, because they're two entirely different things. So with information retrieval, just keeping it simple, information retrieval as a science is finding out about things. So, um, you know, one of the examples that I gave using keywords in that particular presentation was that um, if you typed the words fish and tank, fish tank at Google, yeah, um, if you only looked at the keywords and nothing else and then looked for documents that had those two words, you would find some rusty old fish tank somewhere, (laughs) which is probably not the best experience. What you wouldn't see is a tropical fish aquarium, which is probably what you're looking for. Maybe that's a beautiful video with tropical fish in it. So Google's become very good at using keyword expansion techniques to say and understanding intent, the guy said fish tank, but most people who type that actually really want to see a tropical fish aquarium, you know? So information retrieval is finding out about things. And that's why entities has become such a big deal in information retrieval. Whereas data retrieval is highly structured. And, you know, you just sort of think about your operating system, about Windows or whether you're on a Mac. It's all about precise things being registered in certain places, being filed in certain places. And not only that, usually with data retrieval um, at a large scale, you're using serious programming languages. They're usually, um, you know, programmers um, that are retrieving uh, data and it is completely precise. So the, the, the major difference is that the unstructured data is finding out about things and data retrieval is the exact specific thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that it's become so important is that, again, there is this pervasive thing that people assume that Google has access to everything on the World Wide Web. And yet the World Wide Web 
is absolutely massive and it grows still exponentially every single day. It has since day one, you know? So even though Google had the best of intentions of crawling the World Wide Web and bringing the world's information together, they re realized pretty soon that this was never going to happen, particularly with the protocol that they use. Um, and I think I mentioned, you know, Google has seen like sub X trillion URLs. If they tried to crawl them all, it would take so long, we'd all be dead by the time they got to the, <laughs> to the last one. So what's that got to do with structured data? Um, I mentioned that the notion that this has been around for a long time, that Google continues to crawl the web, crawl the most popular areas where the most popular content is, and that's the important thing. Google doesn't like to return content following um, a query if people don't want to see it, and they can tell if you don't click on it or if you don't like the page, those kind of things, you know? So um, they're good at maintaining um, a fresh index, trying to bring fresh content in at the same time. But if we were able to send data directly to them in a structured fashion to say something has changed here, then it makes their job a lot easier. So if you look at the way that we're using structured data now, it's not just, um, you know, some of the primary examples that Google uses are like if you have a website that does recipes. You know, if you use structured data, um, when people do a, um, a search for cookie recipes, then instead of just seeing a link to go to the website, you'll see at the top of the page, these are the cookies, here's the recipe, you know, this is what it contains, this is good for you, this is bad for you, those kind of things. But they've also reached the point now with, um, you know, websites that are promoting events and lot things that are happening live, so that you could put times and dates in. So you create the content, the unstructured data, and then you augment that with the structured data saying we're open now, we're closed now, the concert starts at this time, you know, the show starts at this time, these kind of things. So I think it's going to be very important for SEOs. Um, and, and, you know, one of the areas that we'll touch on is, you know, the term SEO about search engine optimization. I'm not saying that's dead, it's going away, but the job itself is changing much more to understanding more about the content and, mm -hmm. and actually creating the content. So understanding the unstructured data as a content creator and also how to feed structured data as a content creator is becoming very important. So, um, you know, you're, you're touching on this, but it's all, it's all about, um, experience and i think you started with the, the page experience right is is pretty important now right uh, well it's kind of interesting that uh, google's having this uh, update and they've talked a while about the the idea of page experience but again um you know and i have to keep repeating this over and over again if you study information retrieval if you study that science it's something that academically the idea of this has been around for quite some time um you know, a lot has been learned in, if I take a step back and say, before you had paid search, for instance, um, before that started, Google had already learned, search engines had already learned a great deal about end user behavior, just looking at the organic listings on what content people liked or didn't like. There's so much that they could learn through the analytics. And then when they started doing paid search, they started applying some of that to the ads which ads do people like? Which ads do they not like? Which is why you got what they call a quality score in paid search. So what they're doing now with page experience is pretty much a similar kind of thing is bringing it back to the organic side and saying there are certain elements that need to be on this page. You know, there's certain aspects of the way that you create 
the content, the way that the content is distributed, and also how does the content apply to the intent of the searcher in the first place, you know? So when they talk about page experience, that was nothing new to me. As I said, you know, just a little while earlier, um, th there was a period in time that you could do on-page optimization and I could beat your page by tweaking a few tags and things. That doesn't work anymore. At the end of the day, Google is looking at who is consuming, who's looking at your web page, who's reading it, who's looking at your uh, sports scores, who's looking at your 30-second video, who's reading your 150-page PDF document, whatever it is, you know, and then understanding the intent. So I think you have to, you know, we, we reach a point now where I talk more about the content experience analyst, mm -hmm. at which point on the user journey is the best experience going to be. And the experience is not about um, engagement. How long do I engage with the content? As I've mentioned many times before, you know, if you're the weather channel and somebody says, what's the weather in New York? Oh, it's like 15 degrees or something, to whatever it is. That's 0.8 of a second. To a lot of people, that would be a bounce on a page to the Weather Channel. That's a great result, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, so for somebody listening that, uh, you know, that maybe has a little bit of digital savviness but doesn't know a lot about it, you know, would, would the concept of EAT, and you mentioned this in your presentation, experience, expertise, authority, and trust, be a good approach to uh, for them to you know, try to, you know, to make their content have better experiences for their, for their, uh, for their, their audience. So again, you know, it sounds like a broken record, but uh, the EAT um, acronym that's, uh, that has come around, it's good, you know, Google uh, quality raters is, uh, you know, there are, uh, I don't know if people know this, uh, Google does most, but they have thousands and thousands of quality people who are employed um, in the gig economy. Um, you know, with a guidebook, just to go and have a look at Google, just have human eyes on Google's results and make sure that, that the machine is getting it right, that people are getting the right kind of experience. And one of the best ways to explain something that's been around in information retrieval science for a long time um, was to use that acronym. So they came up with EAT, which was experience, authority and trust. And what I was saying in that presentation for Australia is that you really have to have those in place that's the unstructured data, really. You need to have that in place before the structured data is going to kick in. So the experience part of it, when it, when you look at the, the page, um, is down to um, are you an expert in the field? Um, and and, and this, so this is, is an interesting thing. When you're creating content, because people say, you know, you have to write like an expert, and then people go, wow, like I have to be Einstein? No, you just have to know your own stuff. <laughs> that's it that's yeah. the whole point and i think you know when people talk about expertise and authority and trust and it's like holy i have to go through this like ritual of stuff um and basically it's about understanding your audience what does the audience want to hear and are you credible so the stuff that you write on your web page or you create in your video or whichever way you choose to present the content um people have to know well this guy knows his stuff i really enjoy reading it and whether it's you know non-fiction or fiction whatever it is the the whole point of getting the um authority uh and that word has been around for a long time and again i explained this is you can't get authority by just writing on a page i'm an expert so read my stuff and you'll discover i'm an expert anybody can write anything on a web page and say anything about themselves but in order to be an expert that is something that's usually bestowed upon you 
you know, you earn that credibility kind of thing. And in the first instance, when you're creating content for your website, you earn the credibility by other people with other websites who link to you. You know, you know, when Joseph, when you write something for your website at uh, Galileo Tech and I'm a guy in the industry and I go, wow, that's really cool. So I link to you. What I'm saying is I give a vote to your content. And the more people that give you that vote, the more it becomes obvious that you do have authority, that you are recognized in your industry, you know. But the trust yeah. factor, the final part, the trust factor is what I was saying. That's the end user data. You know, you created, I'm the expert. I wrote some great stuff about wise content. Mike's linking to me. Other people are linking to me. Now, Google's actually paying attention to this, but what it's going to pay more attention to is who's consuming it, who's reading it. And if it becomes with the, a hit with the end user, again, your trust for that domain is building all of the time as that uh, domain being a good resource for trustworthy content, you know? All right, thanks. So um, I think uh, that's, uh, that's important. We're gonna take a break now and then come back and continue talking about structured data and, uh, uh, and decorating the results. Hi, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with Wise Content Creates Wealth, uh, podcast with my guest, Mike Graham. So, Mike, um, you know, we talked about structured data, and you, you give us, I think, a pretty good description of it. Um, what are ways that uh, are the most important uh, ways for people to use structured data on, on, their, on their web pages? And what does it mean to that it's, uh, Google calls it decorating the results? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat more harder to uh, discuss the structured data aspect without getting deep in the weeds. So I'll try and keep it as simple as I can, you know. I mean, when you're creating a web page and you're creating a WordPress website, you don't really know what's going underneath, you know. So people without uh, technical experience, uh, usually with, uh, you know, WordPress and templates and that kind of thing can create the content. There's a little bit more involved when it comes down to the structured data and actually being able to put it in there. Um, but like I said before, it's kind of an extra signal to uh, Google to let them know much more about what your content is about, you know, giving a, a better indication that this website really is about cookies and it's not the ones that follow you around on the web. It's the ones mm. the kids love to eat and these are the ingredients that go in it, you know. So it's a much better way of being able to give um, a strong signal to, uh, to Google. Uh, I mean, in terms of how you put it there, um, like I say, from a technical point of view, there are tags that you can inject the data into your existing HTML. And uh, basically, it needs to go on the page. So I think for anybody who wants to do it themselves, and uh, you can do, you know, I mean, you can learn to do that, then you need to go to schema.org, which is the general all-purpose website to do with uh, structured data, you know. Um, and uh, to be perfectly honest, Google has... They've become very open about um, the better effect that you can have, the better experience that you can create for the end user by using structured data. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they do actually use the word decorate. So what does that mean? You know, when I first started in this industry, uh, you would go to a search engine and there were quite a few before Google. Uh, but let's just say, you know, when Google started, you would do a search, you would get 10 blue links. 
and that was it. And you would decide which one to click on. And one of them might have something you're interested in and the rest of it might be terrible. You know, um, it took a little while. And then of course, what happened is you got what was called universal search. And then eventually the results started to look different because they had, uh, you know, images and uh, news results and, uh, and video and, and that kind of thing. Uh, what they've been able to do with structured data, understanding more about the content and the source is to give it more prominence. So when they call it decorated, that means, you know, when you look, when you do a search and you look at the top of the results page at Google, and there's a carousel with all of these images going around. That's being driven by the structured data, by the images that you've supplied and what they know. Um, you know, when you uh, end up in the knowledge box, you know, when you're answering a question and that turns up at the very top. So all of this information that you can provide that helps, um, you know, when when you when, when they talk about what's known as the knowledge graph, which is these entities um, around the world. So if you're searching for people and places and uh, events and those kind of things, um, you you get those better results because they literally are better decorated. You know, they're more prominent. There are more images in there. Lo they will use your logo. It was interesting to hear one of uh, Google's engineers saying uh, recently that when they were looking at structured data, um, sometimes one of the problems that companies have is they don't supply a good quality logo. And for me, <laughs> when I was hearing that, I was like, you know, years ago, we were trying to force you to show our logo. And now you're asking for a better quality version. Of it. But yeah, so, um, yeah, so being decorated is just kind of looking at the top of the page and those results that, uh, that are somewhat more prominent, that's being driven by the structured data. So, I mean, I, uh, I mean, the way they make it sound, it sounds like, you know, they want it to be, you know, about enhancing the results. Do you, do you think it actually helps the rankings? You, you used EAT as an example that you got to do everything right beforehand. But I'm wondering, I'm starting to see anecdotal and, and we've done some testing that some things that you do in structured data actually enhance your search engine positions. What do you think about that? Um, it's kind of this mutually reinforcing thing, you know, I mean, I'll stick to what I was saying before the methodology, because I've used it for so long is that if you get the eat part, right, the unstructured data part, right, mm -hmm. if you if your website is actually building up a good reputation that you're creating good content, then Google will reward you mm -hmm. with the structured data. If Google can see well, people like this, we can present that better in the search engine results page. Um, and then what happens then is you attract more clicks, you get more engagement with your content and the more engagement that you get the more that google realizes this is you know it's implicit signal to google that people enjoy this content so the more content you create the better you get decorated the better you get decorated the more engagement that you get you know so it is a mutually reinforcing thing but i but just to be clear and you and i could arm wrestle over this if you want all right um that <laughs> that that if you don't actually you couldn't take a, uh, you know, a new website, create some content that's, you know, kind of okay, and then inject structured data into it. No, that would work. Yeah. Rank, you know. no. no, I agree with you there, but I'm wondering if you have a decent site um, and you do things like, um, you know, entities, I think, like you've mentioned several times here, are becoming really important, I think, uh, and more and so. And they sort of have a, a authority that, uh, that the search engines have given them, even to the point where, you know, particular phrases sort of have an entity, all right? And it's like, if you search for, you know, uh, a particular, um, you know, phrase, you know, way to describe something, you know, coffee or, you know, or whatever, the, uh, uh, you know, cost, coffee, you know, 
brand or coffee type, or I'm not using a great example here, but essentially they have an entity they say is the way that this is mostly referred to, right? Uh, as opposed to it's not. So pizza is an entity and it means that people are looking for pizza delivery, right? So it's it's got sort of a pseudo entity, but anyway, the the thing I'm 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 you know I'm I'm thinking is that the entities and, and and anecdotally I don't have any a lot of proof of this, but if you do things like same as in your content and you got a good site, it seems that that uh, where you there's a schema that says same as that points yeah yeah authority that to something else that, that another entity that has an authority, and I think that helps. What do you think? Is do you think that is possible? So again, the, the 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 terms become interchangeable. You know, we talk about structured data and schema, but uh, originally the idea for what Google is trying to create as this second layer on top of the unstructured data uh, was coined by Sir Tim Berners-Lee, who was the guy who invented the World Wide Web, um, and he called it uh, the semantic web. So mm-hmm. if you take a look and see what uh, semantic web is like this overarching term, where you get structured data and schema and all of those other things underneath. And instead of looking at the data, what Google says, instead of looking at strings of data, we look at things. So they say things, not strings. So what are things? People, places, events, those kind of things that all link together. So I think once you are involved in creating information around an entity, then it does become part of this semantic web it's another, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what I was saying before about linking, you know, one thing leads to another. So uh, yeah, there, there is, there is a, a natural effect there. I, I just want to keep going back to the fact that, um, that you really, you, you have to think through what is it that my audience wants and understand the content and the experience that somebody is looking for. So without going too far at a tangent, there is a big difference in the search engine results between ranking and sorting. Okay. These are two mm-hmm. different things. Okay. So as I said before, uh, when we moved beyond the 10 blue links and we went into um, universal with different types of results in there. Um, if you take a look at those results, you can't say if, if uh, Joseph has a video at number six and I'm at number seven with a web page. Can you get the SEO guy to make my web page get higher than his video? No, you can only rank pages against pages and videos against videos. It's an apple and oranges thing. So what I have to do is create a better video than Ah. Joseph. That's the whole point. So understanding the content experience that for that particular keyword or phrase, you're doing better with a video than I am with a web page. Then it says that the end user prefers the video result than the web page. So now I have to create the video to go with it. So that's why I keep talking about creating uh, the, the experience that goes with it. Yeah. So you, you say that, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, that us SEOs now got to start changing to be called content experience analysts. Well, you think that's happening now, right? And what, is, what do you think the job will be? Um, I mean, it's, it, it, it does. So if you just go back to the very early days, like I say, I mean, I was in at the very, very beginning and, I was never a fan of the idea of this thing, search engine optimization. I never liked the because I've been in the industry this long. I never met anybody who's optimized a search engine. So why do they call us <laughs> search engine optimizers? I don't, you know, I just don't get it. I mean, what we actually do from day one is optimize content for Google. We're content optimizers. That's what right. we do. But we don't optimize search engines, you know? 
it's always been about the content. That's the um, the whole thing. Um, but uh, I, I honestly do think now that when you understand intent and the queries that people use, particularly on a commercial level. So what we talk about is the um, the customer journey. Yeah, the customer doesn't wake up in the morning with a credit card going, I've got a credit card, I'm going to buy something and go straight to the checkout. Yeah, it usually starts informational, then it goes navigational, and then it becomes transactional. So creating the content around the intent so that at the informational stage, I see a different thing when it comes to the navigational thing, and that you're not always trying to sell me something. One of my other, you know, kind of top phrases is stop selling, start helping. So... Uh, yeah, is, is it going to change? I think some of the the technical stuff that SEO was really based on because the crawler was a bit of a stupid piece of um, software back in the day. Crawling is much smarter. So we don't have to spend so much time looking at, you know, the technical issues with is my context the content being crawled and indexed? Google mm-hmm. actually gives you a lot of tips about that. Um, at the end of the day, it's more about um, am I creating content that creates the right experience that moves people along the line from this yeah. informational stage to the checkout, to the transaction, you know? I, I think that's, um, I think that's, I, I agree with you 100% on that. That's why I've been focusing on wise content, uh, you know, is, uh, is Absolutely. where we're going. So we'll come back. I'll have a couple of little uh, business questions for you and then we'll, uh, I'll be wrapping up with, with some, we'll be wrapping up with some shout outs. All right. All right. Hello, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with Wise Content Creates Wealth uh, podcast, and my guest Mike Grahan. So, Mike, we were um, we were discussing how we traditionally not didn't sell to the C-suite who didn't know what SEO is, but uh, it's starting to have this last year. The pandemic has brought up the importance of being in the organic results. Um, what do you tell a CEO who asks, "What is SEO"? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I usually say, read a book, and I know a guy who wrote one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, I think you know CEOs, certainly CMOs, with the larger uh, brands, larger companies, these enterprise level um, uh, companies uh, understand kind of the basics of what SEO is, you know, in the sense that it's, it, it's, it's doing stuff with content to get found on search engines to do a better job. Uh, I think the hardest thing is trying to explain the value because like everybody else in the C-suite, usually if you say it's worth doing this, there's a dollar sign next to it. And it's very difficult for them to put a dollar sign next to SEO because, you know, there are a number of uh, conversations that I've had with the CEO or the CMO. Um, and I talk about organic uh, content and, uh, and, you know, the way it's listed at Google and they go, yeah, but Google just sends you that for free. Don't they? And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just to sum up what you were saying in a uh, last chat, um, obviously last year, um, was a difficult year for so many people. But the interesting thing is um, not that anybody was prepared for a pandemic, but it was 
how many of the larger brands were so unprepared to go e-commerce, to go online. I mean, many of the world's major brands are still making most of their revenue offline. And then what they get online is kind of like a nice little bonus that goes with it. And then when the pandemic comes around and your offline business goes, man, you've got to start and think really quickly, what am I going to do now? One of the things that I noticed was a lot of the smaller businesses and low-tech companies, not high-tech companies, the low-tech companies were much better prepared for e-commerce and online than some of the larger companies. So what we see this year is that the CEO and the CMO both fully appreciate the fact that they weren't ready for what happened last year. So to be better prepared, they're putting more money into SEO. So, you know, God bless the CEO and uh, sometimes the CEO, <laughs> if, it's not, if, it's, if it's not your area of business, but at least they're prepared to put some more money into it. So this is going to be a big year for uh, a few reasons. Yeah. And, and certainly one of them is that uh, SEO is getting a bit more attention and the structured data thing, um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, people can understand that a little bit more. So, yeah, good year. Yeah, I agree. You. So, you know, I think structured data, I, I consider that part of the content. Right. I think, you know, I think it, like we're talking about data and it's, you know, it's part of wise content. Um, Absolutely. You know, as I yeah. said before, I, I can't emphasize enough that going forward that, you know, Google's been very good at training the industry to do what Google wants it to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've become very good at doing that and diverting yeah. you away from things that they don't want you to do. But, um, you know, in that uh, presentation that we've been talking about, you see in the uh, one of the two of the engineers, Google engineers that were featured in that and the, the way that they were talking about, again, without getting deep in the weeds, that if you get the structured data on your web page, right, if you get the schema right on the web page, they'll actually pull that data, the structured data and put it straight into Google Assistant. Mm -hmm. So the voice, not, the voice not, search works. Boom. Wow. A voice search. Exactly. So not yeah. only do I go to your web page and see it's better decorated because it has, you know, all of the ingredients for the cookies that you're making that, you know, when your wife or one of the kids is in the kitchen cooking, making the cookies, they're talking to Google and Google is actually speaking and giving the instructions mm -hmm. for the recipe back, you know? So that's why I, it's a big deal. And, and, and speaking to the CEOs out there, if you're a B2B company, if you're not doing FAQ schema on your websites, you are missing the boat already. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, tell, you know, tell us a little bit about what's up next for you, what's Acronym doing, you know, and, uh, and then where people can connect with you. Hey, yeah, I mean, Acronym, um, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like I say, you know, we've got this, beautiful headquarters on the 65th floor of the Empire State Building with these beautiful views and nobody's been there for a year. It's been, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, we, um, uh, like yourself, we were very big in the hospitality, travel space. Our clients, some of them got hit very badly with that. Uh, one of our clients uh, was the other way around, as I've uh, mentioned before. You know, we work with, uh, fortunately, fabulous company, Scott's Miracle Grow, uh, and during the pandemic, people go gardening a lot. So that, that worked out well for us. Um, I, I think probably the major transformation um, is something that you can see industry-wide. And whether you like it or not, you'll tend to follow this. Um, and, and that is that people talk much more about performance marketing as a kind of sector, you know, middle sector between being the search marketing company and the full service digital agency. There's this performance marketing bracket in between. So we have broadened, even though we've been around doing SEO 
25 years. I mean, a long time. Um, we've broadened out our ranges, range of services. So, you know, certainly we're recognized now as a leading performance marketing agency. So are we doing SEO and paid search? Yes, we are. Are we doing social media? Yes, we are. Are we doing programmatic? Yes, we are. We're doing it all, you know. Cool. And uh, you, you got another book or anything coming out? Uh, you know, I sit around. I've got uh, manuscripts for three, two uh, of which are about uh, uh, one of them is about search. The other one's more about digital marketing. And the third one is X-rated. We can't talk about that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's well, what most people want to talk about. Though. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that but that's about my days in rock and roll when I worked in uh, uh, radio. Okay. Um, so, uh, but, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I keep uh, going back to these manuscripts, but certainly by the end of this year, yes, there will be a new book. Well, good. I want you to come back and tell us about it when you Absolutely. have it. Um, how do people connect with you if they want to uh, you know, ask you questions or something? Just Google me. You can find me. I'm, all right. I'm, there you go. You're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. For showing like my father video. said, like, oh, shit. <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on we've been uh we've been uh known each other for a while now and yeah. it's good to have a conversation recorded thanks uh, very much for inviting <laughs> me joseph thanks right, very much cool. so everybody there, i want to tell you about the uh the tool tip of the day and uh and mike knows a lot about this tool as well it's called bright edge this is for the enterprise uh it's not small so much for the small uh, uh companies but it's a global leader in enterprise organic uh growth uh, search and content, and it's powered by very deep uh, uh, learning engines, and it uh, classifies the search engine results by category, layout, and intent. And since 84% of keywords have featured snippets and 25% of keywords include quick answers, it's imperative for marketers to understand each SERP and how it affects traffic and performance. If you are using BrightEdge, you are an AI marketer. Okay, instead of getting hundreds of recommendations, you get really smart recommendations on what you should do for your content. Bright Edge believes in smart content, which I call wise content, which blends the best of search marketing, artificial intelligence, and content marketing to power the development, activation, and optimization of high-performing content. It is the heart of modern marketing and will fuel modern marketing going forward. Content is self-aware and self-adjusting. Improving content and discovery and engagement is important. All right, go check out Bright Edge. All right, so a few shout-outs. I want you, I'm on the talkradio.nyc network. Um, so I want you to check out Jeremiah Fox. Uh, comes to the show before me, The Entrepreneurial Web. If you want to find out more about this podcast, go to wisecontentcreateswealth.com. And don't forget to look at my company, GalileoTechMedia.com. We're specialists in creating wise content for marketing and for companies that need to get uh, great results in the search engines. And I appreciate you. Next week, we'll have another great show. Um, and uh, we'll have some great, uh, uh, great guests. And check out my other podcast, Gateway to the Smokies, on Tuesday from uh, 1 to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Bye. <laughs>